Patriots has a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth. So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not going to stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah, thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people on RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. Tuesday night, 19th of September. Welcome to it. Good evening, Diane. Good evening, Craig. And how are you today? I'm good. I'm okay, good. good. It's, it's Tuesday. It feels like it's been a long week already, but I'm good. Okay. Okay. Better than, you know, the option. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> anytime you're above the lawn, it's a good day, I guess. That's true. <laughs> you know, so got that going for us i'm i'm getting excited for the weekend because it's junk jaunt weekend oh yeah you told me about that that's kind of fun it sounds like it is um you know there's hundreds and hundreds of miles literally of different flea markets yeah that sounds like it would be fun i love going to those things and so i'm gonna go i don't know if i'm gonna uh go out on Friday early and then be back for the show or if I'm going to wait and go out on Saturday and then be back for the football game. So ah. I haven't decided yet, but I got a few days to figure it out. Okay. And I have no idea at this point what the weekend holds. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just looking forward to it. I, I did not get to go last year. And so I'm going to make at least a short run. Uh, there's a, a big, big flea market about an hour and a half away. And I, I think I'm going to go to that one. There, there's a bigger one that's about maybe three, three and a half hours away. And I just don't think I'm going to have time to get to that one. But. Yeah. I love those kind of things, but I like the actual um, antique shops better than I like everything just laid out. Well, I, you know, I do too. And some of these, you know, if I go to the one that's further away, they have a lot of actual antique stores involved uh, yeah. in, in that one. They've got the, the outdoor flea markets and then they got indoor stuff. Um, the one I'm probably going to go to has a pretty good mix. Uh, they've got some indoor stuff. Uh, most of it's outdoors, but uh, in the same town, it's a very small town called Sargent, Nebraska. They do have uh, a big um, antique store. It's actually in an old barn. Cool. And so I'll probably hit that too. So that's what I got looking, you know, coming up, looking forward to this weekend. So. Okay. 
Cool. Uh, later on tonight, Diane, you're talking about an open letter to uh, President Trump regarding his Hugh Hewitt interview. Yes. A long title. And, uh, it's a long title, but it's getting tremendous response. Yeah, and uh, I'm covering sometimes it takes an ass whooping. <laughs> I'm surprised Facebook didn't throw you off for that. You know, I, I didn't call for one. I just said sometimes it takes one. That's true. That's you know? true. Uh, but we've got other stuff we need to delve into tonight. Let's start uh, with what the, the uh, Biden regime just announced is a 50-year ban on mining and oil drilling in New Mexico. Right. Uh, it's He said he did it to protect Native American lands. And what this is, is over 4,200 acres in Sandoval County, New Mexico. And it, it's not far. It's a bit north of Albuquerque. And he, if this goes through, this is supposed to remain in place for 50 years. In other words, the hell with the country that we need the oil. Let's protect some, you know, useless dried out land. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I I lived in Indian country surrounded by reservations for a number of years. And one of the things that I discovered, now I'm sure it's not the same at, you know, on all Indian lands or with all the different tribes, because there are a lot of different tribes in this country. But one of the things that I discovered was if you're going to drill or mine or run a pipeline across Indian land, they'll pitch a fit unless they're getting a substantial cut of the profit. Then they're all for it. Now, like I said, I'm not saying that's you know the, the same and holds true on all Indian lands, but it does on a lot of them. Well, the way I feel about it, yes, I understand it's Indian lands and all that, but I also know, you know, this whole nonsense with Native Americans, no, they all most originated actually from Siberia and came across the Bering Straits down into the United, what is now the United States. Uh, sometimes, especially the way the economy is now, you have to outweigh the good of the majority over a teeny tiny little minority. You know, that's that's very true, but it's it's just always been interesting to me that you know, the, they, they will raise holy hell because, oh, these are sacred lands. That's that's what they'll call them. You know, these are sacred mm-hmm. lands. Unless they're getting a substantial cut of the profit, and then it's okay, let's go ahead and do this. Well, um, I'm looking right now at a picture of this land they're talking about. Guys, it is barren as all hell. It is. I mean, and, and that's that's just a fact. You know, but, um, you know, uh, the the Native American population uh, in this country, um, they, they, they tend, any time they think they're getting taken uh, advantage of on any of the land that's under their control, um, they will deem it to be sacred land. 
and until uh, such time as they get a, a cut of the profits, and then it's okay to do it. So, you know, every and and I don't mean any disrespect uh, to the the Indian tribes and the Indian population, but I've seen this occur, uh, and I, I saw it occur a lot in Arizona um, when mm-hmm. when we lived down there, and you know. I, I understand the that you know the tribes have a real spiritual connection to the land. I get that, but like you said, there comes a point where doing certain things on the land or with the land, if it benefits the country as a whole, they benefit too. Well, like you said, it uh, they didn't care one hoot about the this particular parcel of land. Until suddenly, you know, uh, this whole thing with the oil started. I think a lot of it is, it's sort of the Indian version of you owe us reparations nonsense. And I, for one, am tired of it from any group, including the Indians. I don't call them Native Americans because they're not. They came from elsewhere. Yeah, and, and to be honest, most of the Native Americans call themselves Indians. Yeah, you know, and you know, I uh, I've got my neighbor across the street is an Indian, mm-hmm. and you know, when there's like wild horse races and things like that that are um, kind of the rodeo equivalent for uh, the Rosebud Sioux tribe, uh, and and that's what they do around here. He always refers to them as Indians. And what's wrong with that term? There's well, nothing I, derogatory about being called an Indian, but there's something actually factually wrong about calling yourself Native Americans because America's Indians did not spring from this continent. They came from elsewhere and worked their way here. So I'm tired of, you know, the disrespect for Columbus and the discovery of America. I'm sick of this Indigenous Peoples Day I mean, come on, folks, enough with this crap already. I mean, I you know, I agree. And this 50-year ban is nuts. Now, Absolutely. My question is, can that be reversed? You know, let's say he puts I it in place ass- for the next, what, year, year and a half. And then let's say we get somebody with common sense that wants us to be energy independent sitting in the White House, can they just kind of tear that up and say, okay, we're going back to what, what it should have been all I, I don't along. think it's a matter of tearing up. I think it's a matter of EOing it out. Well, that yeah, that's that's kind of what I mean. I mean, I you know, because this is an EO, right? It's an executive order. I mean, I don't think they're going through Congress for this. No, no, they're not going through Congress, but I think it's a little more than an EO, because they did have to get, you know, uh, work with the state to allow this. So uh, I don't know. All I know is it's in the sense of us now desperately needing to become more energy independent again with us needing the oil. I think this is total, utter ludicrousy. So what better place for something stupid to come from? 
than the Biden administration. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of ground zero for stupidity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, it really is. Now, my question is, and I don't know which uh, tribes are down there that this affects, but who's going to be watching out for the land? Who's who's in charge of it? Because if this is a federal government order and they're doing it with the state. Uh, the native indigenous American Indian tribal people, uh, whatever they are, um, they don't particularly care for any more government control unless it's their own government control. Well, actually, um, part of uh, these tribes are part of the Pueblo tribes of San Felipe and Santa Ana, and they supposedly have previously advocated for protections in the area, which contains archaeological resources from hundreds of years ago. Really? These people know what's under that ground from hundreds of years ago? They lived then, took pictures, and can hold the pictures up and see what's there? They don't know what's under that ground. They, I don't they don't. They don't know what's under the ground. They know what's on top of the ground. And right. um, you know, trust me, if there's a couple of arrowheads, it's a sacred site. Oh, and hey, they might lose their revenue from hiking, camping, sightseeing, and hunting. It's all about right. the money. That, that's what I said at the very beginning. If they're yeah. if they can make a profit, they're all for it. Yeah. You Nonsense. know, I mean, it's just kind of what it comes down to. Sorry, tribes. But, you know, I've seen it. Um, Jim Jordan is set to grill special counsel David Weiss. And this is set up for, I believe, October 11th. October 11th, yes. Now, David Weiss is the special counsel uh, looking into the whole Hunter Biden uh, deal. He's the prosecutor uh, on this Hunter Biden uh, gun thing. He's also the same guy who who tried to cut the sweetheart deal to get Hunter Biden off of everything. Uh, well, he, he was appointed by Merrick Garland, folks, so you know where this is coming from. You know, now he's going to be hauled in uh, to Jim Jordan's committee. And Jim Jordan, I, I guarantee you, will hold uh, his feet to the flames, but... I don't expect David Weiss to cough up any truths of the matter. But here's what I expect on October 11th, and I think this might be fascinating to watch. David Weiss is going to lie his you-know-what off, Mm -hmm. but Jim Jordan is going to have in his possession the actual documents that reveal the truth. And it's going to be an interesting juxtaposition between Jim Jordan grilling him with the truth in his hands and David Weiss trying to tap dance around it. True. Well, uh, Jordan is also asking for a whole pile of documents that are tied directly to the investigation of Hunter Biden. He expects those to be turned over on October 11th as well. I wouldn't hold my breath for it. No, and he'll probably have to re-subpoena that and threaten to uh, hold him in contempt uh, and, you know, all sorts of uh, things before he's able to get his hands on those documents. But part of what he's looking at, or looking for, might be a better term, 
is all the communications that went between David Weiss, Merrick Garland, and the Biden administration regarding everything that had to do with the investigation into Hunter Biden. And that includes, of course, uh, the gun charges that uh, Hunter is going to plead not guilty to, even though we know for a fact that he lied on the gun application. So I don't know, you know, how he plans to get out of that. But not only that, but all the tax evasion stuff, um, the the foreign agent stuff. I mean, all the stuff that David Weiss and the FBI and Merrick Garland slow walked until the statute of limitations ran out. Well, you'll love this. Hunter Biden is now actually suing the IRS, alleging privacy violations. Yeah, now... Here's here's the problem I have with that. Okay. I'm in a real quandary. I don't know who to root for in that lawsuit. Normally, I would be on the side of anybody who sued the IRS, but in this case, <laughs> I'm kind of hoping uh, Hunter Biden gets taken to the cleaners or laughed out of court. Hunter Biden should be laughed right into jail with charges of treason brought against him. It's it's just amazing. You know, oh, my, my right to privacy was violated? Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to sue them? And, and yet nobody on the left had a single problem when the IRS released Donald Trump's tax returns? The thing is, Hunter Biden didn't care what happened to anybody else until it happened to him. Yeah. And it's, it's you know, the typical of these Democrats. Everything revolves around them. And you cannot upset the apple cart. You know, uh, Hunter Biden is really a perfect example of a grifter. He really is. And I mean, that is, and that might be too nice a term, yeah. uh, you know, to use with him. But yes, I, I 100% agree. Uh, he is a grifter. And... Here's here's the funny thing about this to me. Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, anybody named Biden, they're all saying nobody named Biden did anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, none of them want to turn over their records. Oh, of course not, because they have everything to hide. Yes, they say they have nothing to hide, and yet they're hiding everything. They're hiding everything. I mean. And to me, one of the worst of all the Bidens is Jill Biden. Yeah. I mean, she knows everything that's going on. And, and, you know, not only that, in my book, she's guilty of elder abuse. I wrote whole articles on that. If she she had said to, to Joe, that's it, you're done, it would be over. But she is a publicity whore she craves attention and she wants to be first lady and she wants all the prestige that goes along with it well you know what she's probably second to michelle obama in my opinion the worst first lady this country has ever had I, I tend to agree with you, but I, I grimace when you call her an attention whore. 
Um, because if Hunter happens to be listening to the show, he might try to pick her up. <laughs> I mean, he did it with his, you know, dead brother's wife. Uh, yeah. And where's the brains in the dead brother's wife to go with that sleaze? Seriously, unless oh. they were, ha- unless Craig, they were having an affair uh, while the uh, well, elder son was still alive. Yeah, Bo Biden could have been fogging a mirror, and she was fogging Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I what mean, a family. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> the all American family, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting though when Jim Jordan gets David Weiss on the stand. Yeah, because he's um, great, Jim Jordan. He is, and and he's he's going to be like a pit bull on a pork chop. Mm-hmm. when it comes to that. So that's must-watch TV, and that's coming up on October 11th. Now, um, today, earlier today, over the United Nations of Thugs, Thieves, and Despots, Joe Biden stood center stage and delivered what had to have been one of the most bizarre speeches to the UN I've ever heard. China got everything they wanted in that speech, and so did Iran. Yes, and in a way, so did Ukraine. What he has done, although I don't put Ukraine in the same category as uh, Iran and, and China by any means, but what Biden did was he butt kissed America's enemies. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean he's calling no on, to say it. He's calling on other nations to also give Iran money. Really? Mm-hmm. And and then and then, you know, after he does that, then he has the unmitigated gall to stand there and say we cannot let Iran have nuclear weapons. Well, guess what? They've already got nuclear weapons and they're almost ready to have ten of them. Yeah, well, Biden probably isn't aware of that, but what's bad about this? Also, is the snubs. Usually, an opening session of the UN is is a grand affair, and the top leaders are all there. Well, this time, the only top leader, and God just saying this man is a top leader, was Joe Biden. Okay, nobody of importance. Putin didn't show up. Xi Jinping didn't show up. Emmanuel Macron, Britain's Rishi Sundak, did not show up. The people that needed to be there were not there. They were all too busy. If Biden doesn't see what a slap in that face is to him, this was done to him, but he doesn't realize it. Right. They, you know, those countries sent surrogates, but they didn't send their their main honchos. Now, Putin can't come because he's an international war criminal. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he can't come. Um, that, that's why little Kim from North diarrhea had to take the train and go visit Putin in Moscow. (laughs) Um, because Putin can't, can't leave. Uh, you know, but yeah, I mean, you know, none of the major players were, were there. Um, you know, and Biden, I got to tell you, looked awful. You could tell he was hopped up on something. Um, Amphetamines, it looked like. Yeah, and I mean, he was kind of sweating, and Mm -hmm. his makeup job was horrible. 
horrible. And slurring the the words at some point. His intonation was very bad throughout. I mean, this this was an appeasement speech by somebody doped up to be able to stand there and give a speech. I don't really know. He understood one word of what he was saying. It seemed to me that he was reading through that thing pretty fast. And that's uh, what you would expect if somebody was, you know, pumped full of amphetamine. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that caused a lot of the slurring and, and stumbling over words and and, uh, you know, it, it was, and his eyes were kind of darting back and forth. Obviously, he's looking at teleprompters, but it didn't seem like he could focus on anything that was any more than four feet away from him. That's true. It was pathetic to see. And he's putting on a show how great he is. And this was a disgrace for our country. He was stiff as a board, too. political party you're in. This is a disgrace. This is representing we the people. Yeah, it's pretty pretty bad. Very uh, bad, in my opinion. Now, as far as top players, Zelensky was there. Yes. You know, and, and Zelensky gave uh, an interesting uh, speech, and that came after, of course, a little bit later, after Biden's. But mm-hmm. Biden was stiff as a board. Um, he, he, he moved... Very stiffly, um, you know, standing there at the podium, it, he looked like he was almost scared. Like he like, didn't want to be there. You know, he didn't like, want to be there. It, it, it appeared to be somebody who thought, "I just got to get through this speech and get off the stage." Yeah. Well, here's one of his great lines. I mean, please gag me with it. The United States seeks a more secure, more prosperous, more equitable world for all people because we know our future is bound up with yours and no nation can meet the challenges of today alone. Really? You just killed American exceptionalism and everything we stand for. Of course, he went on a long protracted rant about climate change and and how it's the the yeah. The biggest existential threat to the world. Yeah, the weather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure it is. But I, no 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 mention of holding, you know, places like China or India responsible for uh, you know, any part of it. It's just that we gotta throw more money at the weather. At the weather. What these people still don't get there's a difference between the weather and pollution. All the this crap in the air this isn't climate change this is pollution by upcoming developing countries like china they're not completely developed remember folks china india pakistan are the biggest polluters on the planet not the weather changers the polluters exactly you know but yeah you know big part of the speech was about that he talked about Ukraine and, and you know, and even when he's talking about Ukraine, Diana, I kept thinking, well, you know, if you'd have done what you promised to do from the onset, this thing would be over. Yeah, that's, that's, the, whole, that's the whole thing. What he basically did today, uh, 
he surrendered our sovereignty and our exceptionalism and who we are as Americans. He surrendered it to the useless nations. I've been saying for years, we got to get out of that crappy club. Absolutely. You know, I mean, and and throw them out uh, of Manhattan. Get them out. Uh, Yeah, yeah, but uh, you expect Adams to kick them out? No. No, no but, but you know, I, I think they, they got to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, why would we have an organization that meets on our soil that protects all the thugs, thieves, and despots of the world? Why, why would we do that? What they should have done, I understand, you know, this grew from the League of Nations and all that. And we do need some kind of of organization where top leaders could meet and whatever. But there's no reason it had to be in one nation alone. Why couldn't it be moved around? You know, each nation has a certain amount of time given for them to head the assemblies and such and then maybe five years down the road you move to the another member top member and they host everything for x number of years and then move it on down the line that to me would seem more fair plus it being in new york our country we the taxpayers are footing the bill for this we pour more money into that goofy organization than all the rest of the countries involved in it put together. Exactly. You know, and it's wrong. But we've come to the end of the segment, and that means we have to take a quick break. 30 minutes from now, I'm talking about sometimes it takes an ass whooping. But when we come back from this bottom of the hour break, Diane has it with an open letter to President Trump regarding his Hugh Hewitt interview. Stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Hi guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot 
at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor, getting you through the Tuesday night edition of the show. If you miss any part of it, go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning, click the podcast button. This show in its entirety, along with all the rest, will be waiting just for you. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Diane, so President Trump, uh, about a week or so ago, gave uh, an interesting interview to Hugh Hewitt. And I like Hugh Hewitt. Hugh Hewitt always asks some some pretty uh, decent questions mm-hmm. when he does these yeah. types of interviews. You listened to the interview, not once, not twice, but I think probably, what, three times, yeah. um, you know, going through it. And you have a response, not to Hugh Hewitt, but to President Trump, an open letter to President Trump regarding his Hugh Hewitt interview. And I start by saying, dear President Donald J. Trump, earlier this month, he went on Hugh Hewitt's radio show and stated that, quote, Dr. Anthony Fauci was not a big player in my administration, that you weren't allowed to fire him, and that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was quote, not in the category of conservative governors who did a good job handling the coronavirus. Really, Mr. President, the governor who made Florida the free state of Florida, a state where those from around the country started flocking to because our great governor dared to defy your and Fauci's indoctrination regarding mask and then vax mandates and what became an unneeded long-term lockdown That man did not do a good job, according to you? Are you really that politically fearful of him that you have to state such unabashed lies? Apparently you are. And to that I say, shame on you. So, Mr. President, and I still call you Mr. President because I do honor and thank you for all the good things you did both for we the people and for our country on the economic front. But you really do need a lesson in truth, as do those who worship at your altar, especially now as many Republicans and independents have started to turn away from you, and rightfully so, I might add. But it really is sad that now your self-fabricated lies can be added to all the political baggage that you continue to carry. First, as to your partly false statement regarding Dr. Anthony Fauci, Fauci was not only, quote, the leading member of your coronavirus task force, you yourself called him that on many occasions, along with your calling him a, quote, good man, but he was its most visible and vocal members as well as his appearing almost daily on TV with COVID updates and whose nursing musings were part and parcel of major internet news sites. And in case you haven't forgotten, let me remind you that you appeared many times in White House press conferences with Fauci standing by your side. 
Simply, Dr. Fauci was the man whose words you hung on to more times than not, and of whom on March 17, 2020, you said, and I quote, he's become a major television star for all the right reasons, end quote. Mr. President, you mean right reasons, like the fact that you listened to Fauci about the lockdown, you listened to Fauci about wearing masks, and you listened to Fauci about pushing ahead with a program to develop a COVID vaccine in record time, instead of taking the time needed to fully test possible long-term side effects, time usually required for any new vaccine, That man is the star in your eyes, pathetic indeed. Mr. President, and again with all due respect, while you might have given the name Operation Warp Speed to the vaccine endeavor, and you did have it reach market in record time, the truth remains that said vaccine did not do all that you and Fauci had promised it would do. And why is that? Because booster shot after booster shot have been needed to keep COVID not even fully at bay, but only to lessen its severity in some folks. Simply, you and Fauci pushed warp speed down America's throat, which has, in my opinion, now created a generation of vaccine-dependent individuals, medically-dependent vaccine Addicts, if you will, folks whose immune systems are now so immunocompromised that said folks have but a limited scale of immunity to COVID, even with their constantly getting reboosted or in some cases needing to get a whole new series of jabs. And Craig, why so? Because those overly vaxxed and boosted folks are the ones who seem to get COVID over and over again. Mr. President, you can ask Dr. Jill about that if you dare, and then explain to we the people exactly why you presented Dr. Fauci and a few others with, quote, presidential commendations for their work on now proven to be ever so questionable Operation Warp Speed. You know, Operation Warp Speed was one of those things that, you know, even when it was happening, people with common sense, not necessarily medical knowledge but people with common sense went wait a minute this is this is this going to be safe i mean people started questioning it and of course social media they clamped down on it because oh no you, you don't dare do that and yet there was president trump standing behind fauci every time fauci was at the podium and when the president stands behind somebody when somebody's giving a speech at a podium it gives that person optical gravitas Exactly. You know, and and that's what he was doing. So you go through that, you go through the vaccine, you go through the booster shots. What's next? Well, what, uh, as my letter states, Mr. President, you failed to listen to real science regarding our population's need for true natural herd immunity, which many in the medical field did try to tell you is the best immunity of all. And now way too many Americans are paying the price health-wise for your listening to the man you recently said played, quote, no major part in your administration. And while some differences of opinions did arise between you and Dr. Fauci, mostly over the use of antiviral drugs like hydrochloric 
hydrochloroquine, um, you continue to maintain that you and Fauci have been on the same page about dealing with the coronavirus right from the beginning. That is until the Hugh Hewitt radio interview, which sadly seems. So here is my second reason why, in my opinion, you seem to relish in speaking untruths. And again, Shame on you, Mr. President, for it seems you do so for political expediency alone, which is just another example of your embracing revenge politics as your main campaign strategy. And why do I believe this? Because when you made those comments to Hewitt about Governor DeSantis, quote, not doing a good job handling the coronavirus, you crossed a dangerous lie into not just outright lying, but you allowed your true liberal-leaning Democrat self to poke through. How so? Guess you don't remember. Age does that to one at times. After all, you are just a few years younger than Joe Biden. But on May 24, 2023, you stated that even former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, whom I refer to as the nursing home reaper of death, did a, quote, better job of handling that pandemic than did Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. The man heralded nationwide for his not only keeping Florida open and free, but where businesses of all kinds remained open and flourished, and where COVID numbers declined compared to other areas of the country. The moniker the free state of Florida was and remains a reality, thanks to Governor Ron DeSantis, who, while he did shut down Florida as per your original federal lockdown orders, rightfully made the decision to reopen Florida at the beginning of May 2020, while you, on Fauci's advice, of course, kept the country locked down for many more months, thus leading to more businesses closing, more jobs being lost, and our nation's schools being closed, which in itself directly led to a drop in our children's math and reading scores. I'm sorry to say this. However, truth is truth, Mr. President. But the fact is that your overextended lockdown did indeed lead to the start of our country's economic downfall. And as president, that leads directly at your feet. And so Ron DeSantis, the man whom you love to attack daily on your everything must always be about and revolve around me, truth social media site, has become the prime focus of your now signature revenge politics in action, which goes directly against your 2019 State of the Union address. And you did so as but payback for DeSantis's pandemic remark said last month at the first Fox News debate in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that why are we in this mess? Part of it and a major reason is because how this federal government handled COVID-19 by locking down this economy. Hate to tell you, Mr. President, but not only were DeSantis's words correct, but he had the decency and enough respect for you in your position as a former president, not to mention you by name in his statement, which he well could have. By Governor DeSantis saying, quote, this federal government, he did not place 
blame directly on you, which was the correct thing to do as many were involved in the COVID fiasco. But the fact remains that as president, you could have chosen not to listen to Fauci and his gaggle, gaggle of COVID cover-ups, cronies, and how it must irk you that Governor DeSantis is the only candidate in the nomination race who stood strong against you and the D.C. bureaucrats by rejecting the continued lockdown and the then still in effect mask and vax mandates. And Craig, Governor DeSantis has publicly stated that Florida will never be locked down again, no matter who becomes president, something you have yet to say regarding any calls for a future lockdown. You know, it's very interesting because, you know, Trump initially, as you said, called for the lockdowns, right? And, mm-hmm. and that was all part of the two weeks to flatten the curve nonsense. Right. Okay. Right. So DeSantis went along with that for the two weeks. And, and then when he saw the economic handwriting on the wall, he thought, I can't do this to my state. That's right. And, and he opened things back up. Um, you know, in, in the Milwaukee debate, uh, you know, DeSantis didn't get to speak very much, maybe only 10 minutes in the whole time that debate was running. Because but, they wouldn't call on him. They right. wouldn't call on him. But when he said something, it had purpose and meaning behind it. Exactly. And by the way, previously, folks, I stated about Trump's previous statements during his State of the Union address. Well, that was where President Trump basically said he seeks the rejection of politics of revenge, that we must all work for the government. for the common good. I have the direct link to that State of the Union address, and you can hear it with his own mouth. Singing a different tune today, isn't he? Very different. But anyway, Ron DeSantis rightfully walked the high road that night with his carefully chosen words. But now the gloves are off. Why so, Mr. President? Because after all this time, you still don't know when to keep your big and sometimes lying, mouth shut. And lastly, back to the Hugh Hewitt interview. You stated that you could not fire Dr. Fauci, but then you added that, quote, I don't necessarily go by everything in regards to the legal sense, which is quite interesting, but were not wise words to say while in the throes of all your current legal woes. Technically, however, you were right in stating that you could not fire Fauci, what with federal law not allowing any president to directly remove the director of the NIAID directly with, um, without something that's called cause. And why? Because there are in place civil service protections for career federal employees, of which Fauci still was at the time of your administration, and that prevents them from being removed or demoted for political reasons. However, there were legal processes that you, Mr. President, could have gone through to get Fauci removed if you had really wanted to, and it simply involved your going through the proper chain of command, an option you most certainly should have known about 
And in this case, said chain would start with the Department of Health and Human Services, where Fauci would be given what's called first notice of what the allegations for removal were. And allegations or allegations of misconduct or failure to follow orders, for example. Then after the allegations were made, Fauci would be given a chance to respond. And if your decision remained to fire him, he could still go to the Merit Systems Protection Board or to court to claim via appeal that he was fired in violation of the civil service rules. Yet the fact remains that you followed Fauci's advice to extend the lockdown instead of Fauci following your thoughts to end said lockdown, which you claim you made to him on a number of occasions. Simply, Mr. President, even without actually firing Fauci, you did not have to listen to his advice on anything, but you did most times. Nor did you have to include Fauci in the task force in the first place, let alone allow him to play a deciding role in how the pandemic was handled. You knew about Fauci's political leanings, his Obama loyalty, and his decidedly partisan allegiances, or at least you should have. And if truth be told, it was your bad judgment regarding Dr. Fauci that not only helped to extend both the lockdown and mask mandate, which hurt we the people, but you actually helped set the stage for not only medically bad judgment calls, most especially related to the rush to market COVID vaccine, which itself might have been a factor in your not being reelected in 2020. But Craig, to be fair, That is, of course, if the voting irregularities, a.k.a. fraud, were removed from the mix. You know, it's been an interesting week or two uh, for President Trump. That interview uh, with Hewitt was the, Mm -hmm. the type of interview where he could just sit there and spew this stuff out and hope that it gets parroted by his supporters, which to some extent it has over on Truth Social. But he also paid a visit to the state just north of me over the last couple of weeks. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And so, Mr. President, let me close with this thought. I'm glad you recently went to South Dakota, as it was good to see your relationship solidified with their state's Governor Christy Nome, who rumor has it might be one of your VP considerations. Christy Nome whom some call it conservative while others call a rhino, would, in my opinion, at least help to balance your faux, all-for-show, Republican-slash-conservative leanings. And she would make having to vote for you, only if you do get the nomination, that is, at least a bit more palatable for folks like me, who do not and will not worship at your altar. And I sign it, sincerely yours, Diane Sorry, a former uh, three-time, uh, I'm sorry, a former two-time, now disillusioned, forever Trump voter. You know, it's, it's an interesting op-ed. Um, and I call it an op-ed, but it really is an open letter, is the title. It is. Suggests. I did it in letter form. Yeah. Y- you know, um, the the situation, you know, and folks, you know, if you have any questions about the um, the 
the evolution of this whole COVID nonsense thing, you really want to go to Diane's blog. Uh, <laughs> if, if you go to the patriotfactor.blogspot.com, uh, in the top menu bar, uh, it says COVID-19. If you click on that, you've got relaxed reading for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, <laughs> Diane has covered this COVID thing since the very beginning, every step of the way throughout all the processes. You know, the, the initial, you know, uh, scare tactics of COVID, uh, what COVID really was, you know, how it progressed, where it came from. You know, all the way through the the mandates, the lockdowns, the masks, the the production of the vaccine, uh, Operation Warp Speed, the boosters, the next boosters, the boosters for the boosters that boosted the boosters. Um, you know, it's all there. There's there's almost forty articles there on COVID. Uh, you can see how this thing manifested itself. And what a sham it all was. And yet, as I said before, there was President Trump standing uh, off Dr. Fauci's left shoulder while Fauci is at the podium uh, and Trump adding that gravitas to anything Fauci spewed out of his pie hole. Yeah, it, it was an utter disgrace. How this whole COVID pandemic was handled was a disgrace because scientific studies have now determined that if we had let it run rampant in the beginning for a given number of weeks, herd immunity would have kicked in. And yes, there would still be a pandemic, but it would be to a much lesser degree and they wouldn't have had to turn a generation of people into vaccine booster addicts, which is basically what they're, they've become because now they found that this new variant that's coming out, the people who will get it the most are the people who have been vaccinated. So none of this makes any sense at all. But what here, the reason I wrote this letter, many people have asked me, I voted for Trump twice. Why I am not supporting him, why I am supporting Ron DeSantis over him. But again, I preface that by saying if he gets the nomination, he gets my vote. The reason is, when he made that statement about that, I don't want to say the word on the air, but you can figure it out. It begins with a B. Andrew Cuomo, when he made that statement that Andrew Cuomo, who was directly responsible for all those nursing home deaths in New York, did a better job at the pandemic than did Ron DeSantis, who opened up our state, did not say we had to get vaxxed, we did not have to get boosted, we could live our lives as best we can, take what precautions, what we thought was best best for us and we remained open and free he had the nerve to say that Cuomo did better I at that point lost all respect for Donald Trump you know you just can't you just can't you know back Fauci for a year Mm -hmm. and, and then come out and say to Hugh Hewitt well he wasn't really that that much of a part of my administration. Yeah, he was. He appointed and, him out of everybody he could have picked. 
Yeah, I mean, and there were there were scores of doctors that were telling a whole different story about COVID nineteen than Fauci was. Mm-hmm. You know, and and did he pick any of them? Nope. Nope. No. It was all about Fauci and and Trump. And I think this is part of the ego thing. I think I think Trump may have realized something was off, but his ego wouldn't allow him to say, you know what, I've had enough of this Fauci guy, and I'm going to go out there to the podium myself and tell people we're going to take a different approach, and I think Fauci's wrong. He just couldn't do that because that would have meant Trump was wrong. Exactly. And let me tell you something. A lot of I'm not going to say a lot of us, but a certain percentage of us never bought into this. We did not roll up our sleeves and get jabbed. We did not do boosters, period. We rarely went with masks. We lived our lives during this time. And especially, thankfully, I live in Florida. I was allowed to live my life. How come we're the ones that have yet to get COVID? Oh. Seriously. I mean, I lived my life. I did get COVID. Yeah, uh, but your I, wife probably brought it home from the nursing home. Well, I mean, and, and that could very well be. I have no idea where I got it. Right. You know, and I mean, I don't live in a town where I'm hanging out with people all the time. There, I mean, I, you know, there's more dogs in my town than people. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, uh, I, I don't know where I got it. But, you know, when when it got bad enough... I went to the clinic and, you know, they said, well, okay, you've got uh, some pneumonia and this and that. And, you know, they, they, you know, shoved a thing up my nose and tickled my brain with it. And they said, yep, you got COVID. You have a brain. See, it got tickled. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, then they asked me, you know, do you you want the vaccine? I'm like, no. (laughs) And and they said, really? And I said, no, why would I want it? I said, I've got, I've got the COVID now. I'm going to get natural immunity out of this. And they said, no, yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, people forget how long it took to bring the polio vaccine to market, how long it took to bring the AIDS vaccine, how long it took, you know, by the time smallpox, which was, you know, century ago. But they didn't rush these things to market. This was rushed in under a year's time. There was not enough tests done, enough people tested on. There were no long-range studies because they didn't give it time. And now, what are we seeing? Women who can't have children, men right. who are sterile. We're seeing young, healthy people dropping dead or getting heart disease. Right. This is These are things because it wasn't well-tested. And why? Trump might have meant well, and I'm sure he did mean well. But he sure went about it the wrong way, and I'm sorry, but a lot of this, not entirely on his feet, but a lot of this rests on his feet because he listened to Fauci, Mr. Gain-of-Function Research himself. You know, I, I heard a lot of people in those early days when the vaccine first came out, they said, well, I've done the research, and I'm going to get the vaccine. And I'm like, dude, you are the research. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's really what it came down to. Folks, we've hit the uh, top of the hour. I urge you to go to Diane's blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, 
and click on the link, uh, get the, the article, read through it yourself, and share the link everywhere you can. Um, an open letter to President Trump regarding his Hugh Hewitt interview. You can get it at thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com or rspradio1.com. Either place, grab the link and share it everywhere. With that, we've hit the top of the hour. That means we've got to take another quick break. When we come back, I'm talking about sometimes it takes an ass whooping. Stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. Hi, guys. Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's longtime Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out The National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sorry at the Patriot Factor. Any part of the show you miss, well... Just got to go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning, click the podcast button, and have at it. Mm-hmm. All right. So, you know, you, you mentioned early in the show when we were talking about Hunter Biden um, that, you know, these these liberals, they, they don't mind the, all these bad things until the bad things happen to them. Right. Well... There was something that happened uh, a few days ago, about a week ago, that caught my attention, and it falls right into that category. Okay. So I put together a commentary. Sometimes it takes an ass whooping. Now, while I certainly do not advocate violence, especially in political context, sometimes it takes a good old-fashioned ass whooping to get through to some people. As blue cities and blue states, one after another, decided to go soft on crime and demand police departments be defunded, all in the the woke 
or in the wake of the George Floyd debacle, conservatives and Republicans issued warning after warning after warning that such policies would lead to disaster. We told the liberals, who were busy licking themselves all over with their virtue-signaling defund the police movement and adopting policies that would allow criminals arrested for violent crimes to be back on the streets before the paperwork from their arrest had even been uh, filed, we warned them that that would they would regret their boneheaded ideas. They didn't listen. In fact, anyone who dared to even try to explain to them that their policies were dangerously misguided were labeled as racists, and many were suspended from social media platforms. Now the proverbial chickens are coming home to roost. As ground zero in the George Floyd mess, we find uh, Savanthi Sathanandan. I hope I'm saying that right. She's the second vice chairwoman to the Minnesota Democrat Farmer Labor Party. Now, back in June of 2020, Sathanandan took to Facebook with a virtue signaling post, and I quote, We are going to demand the Minneapolis Police Department. I'm sorry, we are going to dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. Say it with me, dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. As allies, what can we do right now? Listen and learn from our black siblings and then amplify this message right now in this moment. MPD has systematically failed the black community. They have failed all of us. It's time to build a new infrastructure that works for all communities. If you are still disagreeing with that basic fact, I'm not sure what to say to you, unquote. Diane, later, she posted this, quote, Thank you, Minneapolis school board members, for getting this done exactly as it should be. MPD should have no place in our children's schools, unquote. Well, you know, sometimes your big mouth does come back to bite you, as you would say. (laughs) And uh, it seems uh, that's exactly what happened to this woman. (laughs) That's right, because last week, the very same Sathanandan posted that she was, quote-unquote, violently carjacked by, quote-unquote, four very young men all carrying guns, unquote. She said they assaulted her in front of her children outside of their home in broad daylight. She also included a photo of her head injuries and reported having, quote, a broken leg, deep lacerations on my head, bruising and cuts, unquote, around her body, as well as feeling, quote, unquote, rage against the lack of accountability against criminals. Hmm. She went on to say, quote, These men knew what they were doing. I have no doubt that they have done this before. They are still on our streets, killing mothers, giving babies psychological trauma that a lifetime of therapy cannot erase, with no hesitation and no remorse, unquote. But she wasn't done. And she concluded with, quote, I'm now part of the statistics. I wasn't silent 
when I fought these men to save my life and my babies, and I won't be silent now. We need to get rid of illegal guns, get them off our streets, catch these young people who are running wild, creating chaos across our city, and hold them in custody and prosecute them, period, unquote. Well, good morning, sunshine, and welcome to reality. Savanthi mm-hmm. Sathanandan, the second vice chairwoman for the Minnesota Democrat Farmer Labor Party, has now become a victim of the very policies she helped to create. And Diane, she has demanded that everybody in Minneapolis bow down to the woman who demanded that the public or the police in Minneapolis be defunded. The woman who demanded that the cops be removed from schools got an ass whooping from the very ilk she chose to defend and left off the hook. Yeah. You know what's very interesting about this whole story is did we ever know who these perpetrators were? What color were they? Were they residents of the area? Were they people just going through and she was randomly picked off? Or was this woman targeted maybe by some angry people because of her policies? I don't think it was because of her policies. I I just think... You know, these were four "quote unquote" young people. The fact that yeah. the fact that they haven't mentioned race in this tells you pretty much what race it was. Of course, it. I said that hypocritically. Yes. You know, uh, if these if this would have been four lily white people, we we'd know that. Of course. Okay. I mean, I'm just saying. Uh, by the way, several sources had have confirmed that Sathanandan was upset with the police response time after her 911 call when she was carjacked, which was only five minutes. Sathanandan apparently whines to the Minneapolis mayor, Jacob Fry, that the response took too long. Now, back in 2020, Fry, also a member of the Minnesota Democratic Farmer Labor Party, was just as anti-police as was Sathanandan. Their efforts to tear down the Minneapolis Police Department have left the department hundreds of officers short of the city's mandatory threshold. Now, I'd say that a five-minute response time is pretty damn good, and Mm -hmm. certain individuals should keep their collective pie holes shut. Now, it's quite the statement of victimhood that Sathanandan penned on Facebook last week, And I'd feel a whole lot sorrier for her, but she forgot five very important words. I'm sorry, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. When, When Minneapolis announced that they intended to defund the police, when they announced that they would go soft on crime, and we tried to warn them. We tried to tell them that what they were creating was a very dangerous situation for every law-abiding citizen, and that they would regret their virtue-signaling policies. They shouted us down. They called us racist. They told us that we were the problem and that it was the cops who were evil. 
South and Andon is still making typical liberal nonsense statements, even in her statement of victimhood. She's blaming the guns first. Quote, we need to get illegal guns off our streets. Catch these young people who are running wild, creating chaos across our city, and hold them in custody and prosecute them, period. Ms. Sathanandan, those young people to whom you refer are actually seasoned criminals who, over the past three years, have not had the benefit of seeing a police officer in their schools on a daily basis, at least when they're in school. But, sadly, that time frame was interrupted by your city's COVID lockouts. Now, what do you suppose those young people were doing while the schools in Minneapolis were shut down? Diane, you have to wonder, were they at home studying diligently, or were those young people running amok on the streets learning their criminal craft? Well, obviously, they were learning their criminal craft. But one thing this this woman doesn't seem to understand, she can scream about getting guns off the streets all she wants. But, Craig, I don't know of any gun that got out of its storage place, walked over to the streets and started causing problems. What these liberals forget, guns don't kill people, guns don't rob people, guns don't hurt people. The P, It takes a person to pull the trigger. And they forget that prime fact over and over and over again. And, and until that fact sinks in, that it takes, it's people who kill people, this is never going to end. Well, I'll disagree with you somewhat there, Diane. They don't forget that fact. They ignore it. You know, they know many very of well. Them are, many of them, uh, I hate to say it, are um, too dumb to realize it, too. Well, you know, and this isn't a new problem. This is just a little bit of an aside here. But Mark Twain wrote about gun issues back in his day. Mm-hmm. And he once said that, you know, the, the most regrettable thing about guns is that more people are killed by unloaded guns than by any other kind. Yeah. He's, he said, you, you always hear about somebody getting shot and killed, and the gun wasn't even loaded. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, guess what, Ms. Safanandan? The guns those criminals used against you, uh, and most likely used against countless others, do not drag those criminals out onto the streets looking for people to attack. Those criminals drag the guns with them in right. an effort to alleviate you of your car the problem isn't the guns it's the criminals who use them in her statement of victimhood ms sathanandan also states that the young people responsible for her ass whooping need to be caught and held in custody and prosecuted period all in caps prosecuted how Exactly, Miss Safanandan. Prosecuted as was done before or after your soft on crime policies were demanded and put into place. I have to ask because if you want them prosecuted as your advocated soft on crime policies now stand, there's a good chance that the very same young people will be waiting for you in your driveway again tomorrow or maybe waiting for some other person 
just trying to run a quick errand the next day. Ms. Sathanandan, you helped to make a hero out of a saint, or a hero and a saint out of George Floyd. He was a career criminal, a drug addict, and a man with a history of violently attacking women. When Floyd died, he had a pharmacy of drugs in his system that were far and away more responsible for his death than anything a few cops did when he resisted arrest, and you damn well know it. Now, what exactly do you want the police to do when they catch the criminals who whooped your ass if they resist arrest? Should the cops treat your ass whoopers with kid gloves when they put up resistance? What if one or more of your ass whoopers pulls a gun on the police officers who are trying to arrest them? What would you have those law officers do then, Ms. Sathanandan? Remember, Ms. Sathanandan, it's just like your fellow American-hating liberal Ian Omar said. Some people did something. <laughs> Why get all bent out of shape now? Oh, oh, yeah. It's because this time somebody did something to you. Now, whether or not Ms. Sathanandan realizes those young people who attacked her last week, will become the next generation of George Floyd's in just a few short years. Because of the policies she's been advocating over the past several years, those young people are well on their way to uh, a lifetime of crime, drug use, and violence against others. And, Diane, there's always a very good chance that they will become worse than George Floyd because of the policies she's been advocating. Yeah, you have to understand we are now facing, since all this nonsense started, a generation of young people, mostly young men, but there are women involved in in these actions as well, who have no fear of the police because they know nothing is going to be done to them. They might get taken and booked and this and that. And in 20 minutes, they'll they'll be out with a slap on the wrist. Don't do it again will be their punishment. You know, a, a little finger wagging in their face. We've created this disaster. And I don't mean, you know, we who have common sense. These liberals who cater to the scum have created this mess. That's true. The criminals that whooped Sathanandan's ass last week fear nothing. They have no fear of consequences for their actions, no fear of jail time, no fear of being held responsible. Why would they fear those things when they've been told and shown that should anything bad happen to them, they'll be regarded as heroes and saints? Exactly. You know, it's all fun and games when you're licking yourself all over, virtue signaling and pandering to the criminal element in your community to garner votes from the worst of society at the expense of law-abiding citizens, isn't it, Ms. Sathanandan? But when your preening and virtue signaling becomes reality and bites you in the ass, you demand action because you're now the victim? 
you handcuff the police that you are now demanding put the cuffs on the criminals who attacked you? Well, here's some advice, Ms. Sathanandan. And in light of the advice people like myself provided three years ago and you railed against uh, for, for putting us putting it forth, I certainly hope that you'll heed this this time. Apologize immediately for your obvious lies in the wake of a career criminal and drug addict's death. Apologize to the police department you demanded be defunded. Apologize for demanding that the police be removed from schools. And apologize to each and every law-abiding citizen in your community that has been a real victim of the policies that you've been advocating for the past three years. Once you have issued said apologies, Miss Sathanandan, get the hell out of politics and keep your damn mouth shut because you are as much of a danger to your community as are the criminals who whooped your ass last week. And that is the bottom line. And that's the truth. <laughs> you know, I mean, when I saw this, this story, I thought, well, lady, what the hell did you expect? Right. You know? And she was probably targeted. They had probably been following her. I don't and know if figured, they were. Oh, she won't do anything to us. She'll say, oh, bad boys. We got, we can't do anything. I, I think they're just, I, I don't know if it was that. I don't, I think there's probably a better chance. These, these four quote unquote young people. We're just walking through the neighborhood and saw what they thought was going to be a pushover. You know, well, a I said a lady, facetiously. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lady getting into her car and they're going to carjack her and, and they had guns. And, you know, because this is what they do now. Right. You know, this is their job. I mean, you know, they, they don't go out and get a, a job at a fast food restaurant or delivering pizza. They get a car, they get a job stealing other people's stuff. Okay. So. You know, but but what did she expect? You take the cops out of the schools, you advocate for defunding the police department and dismantling the police department, and then when it happens to you, okay, never mind it's happening to people all over Minneapolis, but when it happens to you, you've got the unmitigated balls to go crying to the mayor and say the response time of five minutes wasn't fast enough, and you demand that those kids be caught and prosecuted? After you've been demanding that people that get caught doing that stuff get let back out on the street? No. You know, this it, woman, you know, it's a shame. It's taking something like this to wake her up. But I guarantee you, Craig, in time, her anger will become complacency again. I, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't really give a damn about her. I'm hoping that either. a situation like this wakes up some of the voters in Minneapolis because what's happening in Minneapolis right now, and it's happening in Los Angeles, it's happening in Chicago, it's happening in San Francisco. You name the blue city, Detroit. You know, Portland, uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter where you go, Seattle. What's, what's happening, it's not just happening to people 
that the defund the police movement voters have ideological differences with. It's happening to the people who voted to defund the police too. And right. I, I think when when this gets to uh, the tipping point, and I think we're just about there, honestly, I think you're going to see a lot of Democrat voters go, you know what, we never should have voted for this, and we're going to change our mind, and we're going to go a different direction. Now, I don't, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying they're going to turn these blue cities and blue states red, but I think they're going to go out and start looking for Democrats to vote for who are going to be tougher on crime, who are not going to give well, the criminals a free pass. Democrats. Yeah, more mainline Kennedy Democrats, right. not uh, this bunch that's running now like AOC. She needs to go back to being a bartender. Yeah, and, and this woman, uh, Sathanandan. She has no business in politics. Lady, you advocated these policies. You stood there and demanded these policies be accepted. You need to keep your mouth shut now because this is what you wanted. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it it just lit me on fire when I saw this story. And I thought, lady, I'm not going to let you off the hook. Yeah, I mean, well, why should she? You know, she was one of the leading ones. You know, Saint right. George Floyd. Right, right. She made a saint out of a thug and a criminal who who used to physically attack women and a drug right. addict. Right. You know, oh, who was in the process of committing a crime when all this happened. Right, which is why I ask in the commentary, what would you have the police do when they catch? these four that roughed her up if they resist arrest. Right. Let them go. Let them go so they can come back and do it again. What are you, you going to do? You know? Yeah. This is the consequences of, of her actions. It's the law of unintended consequences. But we warned her. We warned mm-hmm. all of them. They don't listen. They don't listen. That's that's a fact. Folks, you can get the commentary. Sometimes it takes an ass whooping by going to my blog, thenationalpatriot.com or rspradio1.com. You can get the link in either way, you know, either place, and I hope you share it. Uh, just like I hope you share uh, Diane's op-ed this week as well. And, you know, make it easy. Just go to rspradio1.com. Diane's op-ed's there. My commentary's there. You can get the links to both of those and just share like crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. that's that's the easy way to do it. But with that, Diane, you and I are just about out of time. Yes, we are. So I'll say nighty-night, folks, and Star Trek awaits. Have yourselves a great rest of the week. We'll catch up again on Friday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.